Hello and welcome to another episode of El Governor the Podcast. I'm your host, Abdullah, and with me today is, introduce yourself, good sir. Andrew Morgado. What's up, Abdullah? And uh, you might know Andrew from World of Warcraft, Mortal Kombat. Yeah, Con- right. For the horde, indeed. <laughs> Mortal Kombat, uh, Outer Worlds. I'm trying to, I'm looking through your IMDb right now. Um... A whole bunch of other shit that I can't, <laughs> that I that I that I'm not familiar with, or or I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, most most people know you from World Warcraft, Mortal Kombat, Cliff Jumper as uh, as in in Bumblebee, yeah, a whole and a whole bunch of other shit. But how are you, man? I am great, man. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, it is hot as hell in Los Angeles, and that's before they start the fires tonight. Oh man, look, man. Uh, to anyone listening out out right now, please stay safe. Please, please, please stay safe. Seriously. Um, I mean, I know things are crazy right now, and you know, I'm kind of glad. You know, I, I was we were able to get you on here because, you know, like, man, <laughs> it's it's just been crazy. Like, it's just been crazy. Like trying to get a hold of people and just like the world exploding and going to shit in like a, a, the span of, the, of a day. And it's like, Oh man, am I going to be alive at the end of this year? Oh man. Yeah, man. It's uh, <clears throat> this has been quite a challenging year. It's, it's so strange. I don't, I don't even remember like the normal part of this year. Like there was the holidays and then I, there was a little bit of normal year, a little bit, I believe, but uh <laughs> That uh, that kind of disintegrated, and uh, we are now in this weird new normal, which is funny because I always like I always like fantasize like, oh man, wouldn't it be great if I was part of some earth changing event, you know? And and then that happens, and you're like, well, I was thinking more. I think I, I thought I'd be more heavily armed, and I thought that it would be more of a hellscape, and there'd be more dirt bikes. Um, man, I, man. I didn't realize that the, that the end of days would be just me at home teaching my kids spelling. Road Warrior lied to me. <laughs> I know, right? Where's all the chicks and the makeup and the mohawks and, and Tina Turner in a, in a Thunderdome? Where's Lord Humongous? God damn it, <laughs> we need a Lord yeah, Humongous. See? I know. Uh, so this this is the uh, this is the dystopian future. It looks a lot a lot like the dystopian past. No, it's it's weird because like I was listening to 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 some of the old old episodes I've done. And it feels so weird listening to people talk about walking into studios, recording ensemble <laughs> uh, records, getting like direction from directors and how great directors are. Andrea Romano. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, you know, I actually went to a couple sessions last week out in the world. Um, they are slowly letting people back in. It's only a few facilities that are doing it that are SAG approved. Um and I gotta be honest with you, like as weird as this was to get used to, you know, I, voice actors and 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 me especially because I, I do a lot of promo, um, which you know nobody hears about because it just kind of comes and goes on TV. But so for those who don't know out there, promo is like the stuff that you hear in between shows on TV, like next on Fox, like that kind of stuff. And that requires voice actors to be super bulletproof at home uh, with home setups because those are you never go to a studio for that. They need you last minute. And so all the promo people uh, are really dialed in. So I kind of was able to not really miss a beat. 
And then I started going into sessions last week, and boy, what a pain in the ass it is to get up in the morning and drive in a car. Oh, it's like stoplights, and your fellow man is everywhere. Ugh. Oh man, you get up early, gotta put your mask on, put your gloves on, make sure everything's clean. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I I already had that little thing where I'm like, you know what? I think I might miss quarantine a little bit after a while. You know? I mean, that that is silly and selfish. In reality, we need to get back to reality. <clears throat> There's so many people out of work. I mean, you know, we we absolutely have to return to normalcy to get our planet and our country chugging along again but um you know there it, it ain't all bad quarantine wasn't all bad no i mean because I, I mean ironically enough like i talked to you know the last person i had on here he, he i was i asked him like what were you working on and he's like dude i'm technically unemployed <laughs> oh yeah you uh you, you caught some of that no yeah yeah because and it's so weird because like you know a year ago you would have i would have like gotten an answer saying I'm working on this. You can hear me in this, but the dude was like straight up, I'm unemployed, dude. <laughs> oh man, that's brutal. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, things slowed down for a lot of people. I, I think, um, uh, luckily, you know, again, I was really fortunate enough to not. I don't just do one thing in the voice world, so, um. You know, where, where you know, where animation slowed down, video games picked up, and then when that slowed down a little bit, like, ADR was kind of happening, and then, like, promo was going, and commercials are kind of really big right now because, you know, they have, you know, every, there's a lot of content going out, and a lot of people are captive audiences, so, uh, you know, advertising just never stopped, you know. Um, so that's the word for the day is diversify. Yeah, man, because, I mean, when, when I talked to, uh, I think, Trevor Duvall, he said, like, you know, it's not just cartoons. It's promo. It's, you know, commercial. It's a lot of other stuff that you don't that you don't think about when it comes to voiceover. It's not just, hey, you do cartoon voices, right? No. <laughs> right. I, you know, I even got into some dubbing over this, uh, over quarantine, which I, I hadn't done before. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, we all know that to be, uh, and you know what I was doing? I was doing, um, I'm sure I can say this. Who cares? Um. I was dubbing Naked and Afraid, the French version. So, like, you know, because people are struggling for content right now. So, because nobody's shooting anything. And so, they're, uh, you know, Netflix has been doing these massive, um, you know, acquisitions of foreign content. And for some reason, I, I'm sure they, you know, they've done their research. They're not going to waste money. Uh, I guess their target demographic and their audiences would prefer dubbed to, um, uh, what is it called when they write the English subtitles? Um, you know, and so uh, there's a lot of dubbing work to be had all of a sudden, and uh, and I, <laughs> and boy, is it, it's tough, man, because it's uh, it's naked French people uh, out in the middle of nowhere uh, fighting with each other over puddles and sticks, and um, you know, uh, you got to put that English, you got to give the English version, man. So it's uh, you know, you got to you got to pivot. And it, that just seems weird to me, like because you know you would think after Parasite winning best you know best picture you know a year ago you would think like more and more foreign films would be shown with subtitles on but nope <laughs> yeah i mean i guess i guess that's just that that speaks to the demographic i think like you know the people that consume films that have gone to film festivals i guess are more apt to read than those that consume uh 
you know, reality shows about naked folk, uh, you know, trying to survive in the wilderness, I guess. Well, I mean, it depends. I mean, you know, work is work at the end of the day. And I'm not going to, you know, say, oh, why are you why aren't you doing this? That's where the real money is. But because at the end of the day, you know, we, we're all struggling to to keep afloat in these trying times. Yeah. You know where the real money is, Abdullah? It's uh, it's in uh, teaching people how to use computers. <laughs> Because uh, I think if, if coronavirus has done anything to this planet, it has really shaken loose people's inefficiency when it comes to even simple computer tasks. Like, all of a sudden, I feel like the whole world became my mother on Skype. Like, oh, it's like my insane. God. How many – okay, how many people had ha, – ha, have you had to walk through basic shit? I want to know. Like Zoom, Zoom. I mean, well, here's the thing. Like, when so I used to be an ADR mixer, well, and I used to be a sound editor. So I, you know, I had this really unique position when all the shit hit the fan here, where I'm an actor who had a technical background, so I can kind of do both. And so all of a sudden, all these actors are are at home without a lot of technical know-how. So I was like, okay, so what am I going to do here? Am I going to just sit around and wait wait for work to come to me, or should I help my peers? So I reached out to a lot of friends and and colleagues and said, hey, uh, it's going to be tough here coming up. So if you guys need any help, uh, I kind of know what I'm doing on the home recording front and and gear and and stuff. So please feel free to hit me up. And boy, I just had no idea how many people would take me up on that. Um, And, uh, you know, it you know, some people were, were, were kind of in the middle. Some people were rather savvy. But most I mean, we're talking about like don't know how to save a document and then know where to find it you know like just being like okay so you hit save right i did well where'd you save it what do you mean no i mean where'd you what are you doing like are you just opening drawers and just wadding up pieces of paper and just throwing them in there and hope you'll find it later like it was like it was really incredible that we are such a tech tech dependent society and when it comes down to it when you like when it's not social media or app based we're pretty useless at computers like the aliens would be watching us going like my God, they are so dependent on it. Yes, they have no idea how it works. Now, uh, no, I mean, because it, it happened to me as well. Like, because when I would reach out to someone and they're like, oh, no, sure, I, I know what that is. And, and then I get an email back saying, oh, by the way, my my version of Skype is, is old. What do I do about that? And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Um, you know, it, <clears throat> Maybe this is the thing that we needed. I mean, this will be the great equalizer. You know, it'll it, it will cause people to dig deeper and get better at some of these things that everyone was kind of like sidestepping. You know, um, we're gonna come out with a bunch of savvy, uh, you know, tech people by the end of this. Let's hope. No, um, but how are you like? You know, how how are, how have you been finding it? Like, you know, the you know, does the work stop for you? Like, does the 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 work cycle for you, like how much has it changed since since the since uh, shit hit the fan for you? Well, I mean, it's changed a lot. Uh, you know, um, the job in essence is the same as far as from a performer standpoint. Um, but you know, we just have to be we just have to be good at Source Connect. We have to be good at IPDTL. We have to be good at ISDN. These are these are words that scare the crap out of actors because it sounds super intimidating. 
You know, we have to be good at Pro Tools. We need to be able to import picture. We need to be able to screen share our picture with directors that are calling us. You know, it, it's really causing us to wear many different hats, like at the same time, you know, no longer is it just, I just show up and you give me the words that I'll say, and then I'm gonna say them, and then I'm gonna leave. You know, now it's like, all right, uh, you know, send me the picture and then send me the script and I'm gonna print that up and then I'm gonna spot the picture and, uh, you know, I'm gonna cue all the cues and uh, play it back and, you know, make sure that we, let's do a test. And, you know, it's causing, um, you know, it, it changed the workflow drastically. Um, and, uh, you, you know, I mean, and, and another, you know, it's also a little bit of a mental health thing too is, uh, you know, getting out in the world and, and interfacing with other human beings is really good for, you know, it's part of what an actor does. I mean, part of, you know, getting into, you know, a role or whatever that looks like is kind of the, the, the banter and the, and the back and forth and everything that, you know, goes on between the director and interfacing with the, with the people that are there on the day. And when you're just by yourself in a dark little room, uh, you know, it can get a little, uh, you can get a little stir crazy sometimes. Um, again, luckily voiceover is, uh, is one of those things that, um, was able to survive in, in a bubble in, in this way, because, uh, you know, it, it didn't require, it doesn't, you don't have to interface with people one-on-one. -on -one. Um, and I think uh, a lot of like my friends that are on camera people, we're really thrown by that. And uh, I even, somebody posted something a while back and said, just because you bought a USB mic does not make you a voice actor. Because like, you know, like everyone who was an on-camera actor all of a sudden was like, well, I guess I'll just do voiceover now. And then had like the, you know, the harsh realization that like, oh crap, it's super hard. And uh, like, it's not just like a fallback position. Like I should have been hustling this the whole time, you know? Um, so, I mean, it's, it's uh it's different. It's kind of putting away the ego and having to be like, I don't know this. I, I, I'm not good at this or, you know, having to learn something again. Um, and I think also just, you know, being okay with not, not being so busy, which is, which is kind of incredible. I mean, like in my neighborhood, like I literally didn't even know there was kids in my neighborhood until this pandemic. Now there's kids like outside teaching themselves to skateboard. It's like, they all like crawled out of their caves after like the first four weeks, they like put their devices down and like came to see what all the light was outside the front door. And it turns out it was the day. And, uh, you know, so everybody's outside doing things now. It's kind of beautiful. It, it reminds me of like the end of the cable guy where, you know, the, the satellite dish breaks and then you see this guy <laughs> trying to work his TV and then he picks up a book. <laughs> yeah. It's like that caveman thing. It's like, uh, you know, Mel Brooks, um, you know, history, uh, whatever it is, the history of the earth or history of the planet or whatever it was that, and, you know, it starts with those cavemen, like, you know, finally figuring out, you know, uh, you know, you know, picking up a rock and banging it together for music. I mean, like people are starting to, I mean, like there's so many people walking around, you know, like, like you just, you never saw that before. So it's, I'm one of them. Like you just go outside and you're like, what is this? What is this? <laughs> What, what, what is this massive growth coming out of the ground? It's a tree, a tree, you say. Beautiful. And 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 yeah, what you are? Know what's funny though? What what you know is? What I did notice though, on the walk thing. What, what did you there notice? There are a couple things, couple things that people like let slide when there's a pandemic. And you know what? The one of the first one is this is an interesting sociological uh, little little thing here. People just stopped cleaning up after their dogs, like immediately. Like, it's so weird. Like, basically, like, everybody, 
everybody put on masks and, and, and the neighborhood is full of dog shit. That's basically what, it, what, what happened. Like, everyone is just like, oh, I'm too stressed out to do this. I can't do this. I'm not picking up poop. I am not picking up poop. I was like, I remember that was like the first thing I was like, well, this is really interesting. Humans. Uh, no, it is. It is an interesting so- sociological experiment, just seeing how society has adapted to change and and how quickly like pe- some people are just not, you know, meant to, uh, you know, some some people are quick adapters. Some are just like, what is this? <laughs> you know, what, 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 are, what are you giving me? How do I work this? What do you mean? What is this computer you speak of? <laughs> Yeah, yes, exactly. Um, you know, I, I don't think it was the worst thing ever, I, I, although I will say that, uh, you know, I think we all could have had a really kind of interesting experience from all of this if it hadn't been for, you know, the horrible, horrible humans of this country, um, you know, causing this horrible incident in, in Minnesota that, you know, that this country was just already, already, you know, like so sick to death of and and then you take a couple months of being stuck inside and and stir craziness and and antsiness and fear about finances and fear about just everything you know um and and you and, i mean it was just like throwing you know this massive accelerant on a fire you know and i, I think that you know that's a lot of kind of what happened here in the last week was that you know you have these people that it's already a hot button issue and uh, you know an unforgivable thing that happened and and then uh, but I mean it just it just really exploded as a result of like everyone just being bored and pissed and and sick to death of <laughs> their family and <laughs> themselves and you know I mean it doesn't it doesn't seem that crazy that people are like let's go smash some shit up in this kind of like you know. Uh, primal way no because like you know it's so weird because before monday everything was stable and then like monday was like hell like hell on earth just unleashed and you're like what the fuck happened and you're just like looking through your social media feed trying to make sense of it all and you just couldn't process it I couldn't process it. And I've seen this shit happen before, but not on, on a scale like this. You know, you would think that yeah. I would, you know, you, you would think that we would be desens- desensitized to it by this point, but no, it's horrific. And, you know, like, you know, suddenly we're having conversations that we wouldn't have had, you know, four years ago or five years ago. It's just insane. Yeah, you know, it's it, it is interesting because uh, you know, I have kids, I have two little girls and you know, they're processing this weird life that I've brought them into. It was fairly normal there for a while and and then all of a sudden there's this disease where they can't go outside and they can't see their friends and school is canceled like and then they're seeing all this violence in the streets. I mean, you know, it, it, it's 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 hard to explain these things because you know like my older daughter you know she's learning about the civil rights movement i mean she's learning about all this stuff um you know that happened in our country's history and 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 you know it's really weird to explain to them because they say like wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute i thought this happened like 60 years ago and you're like yeah it did it also happened hundreds of years ago it's just not done happening for some reason you know like and it seems uh, it's hard to explain that to kids because, um, you know, and and therein, I think, lies that privilege. I, I think that we all 
work really hard to give our kids what we felt was maybe lacking for us or what our parents couldn't give us or, or double down on what our parents gave us or just try, we always try to improve. And, you know, what, what I think I failed on as a parent is, is making it uh, apparent to them that, uh, you know, that they are not, you know, that they are unique in the fact that they don't have these, you know, these kind of, the kind of struggles that people of color are having. And my, my kids are half, are half Hispanic, but they don't, you know, they don't see that. They don't, they're not affected by that in, in, in the way that a lot of people of color are. And um, they're just completely unaware, you know, and, and having to explain to them these things is, it, it's, it's just, it's, it's tough. It's, it's hard to find the right words, you know, to make it palatable for little brains. Yeah. And it wasn't like back in the day where, you know, TV shows would have a very special episode discussing the topic of race. Nowadays, it's like, no, nah, we don't want to touch that. We don't want to touch that. We don't want to let kids know about the harsh realities of, of life. But you know what? You kind of have to. You kind of have to. Yeah, you do. I mean, but it's so weird because it's like when I was a kid, so I was born in the 80s. It was kind of like, uh, yes, no, no, people are different. People are different. All the comedians were talking about it. It was kind of funny. Ah, you know, it's so funny. You know, like Eddie Murphy dressed up as a white guy on, on Saturday Night Live. And you remember like he would – like when a black guy would get on the bus and, and then everybody would, would be, be quiet. Nobody would say anything. The minute the black guy got off the bus, all the white people would stand up and like have champagne. And like, you know, it was like, you know, a butler would show up. Like, you know, it was this, you know, it was a joke on the white privilege, you know, and everybody white and black alike had a laugh at it, despite it being kind of a pretty harsh reality. I mean, it's, it's exaggerated. And then our, you know, my kids generation came along and it kind of became more of um we don't see color. We don't, you know, we don't, you know, we love everyone. And, and now it's looking like that wasn't the way to go either because, you know, what we should have been doing is like, yeah, people are different. And, 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 and here's why, and here's why nobody should be treated differently as a result of their difference. And that, that doesn't, you know, their skin color doesn't, doesn't mean anything about their character or their, or who they are as people, you know, like we should have been dealing with that, you know, differently. It's, uh, it's crazy. Yeah, no, I mean, it's just, I mean, I noticed like a lot of children's media over the years just like went more and more into the escapism route where, you know, they just didn't want to tackle any issues. Like anything controversial would have probably gotten vetoed in, in those writers' rooms because it's like, yeah, yeah, no, no, kids don't want to hear that. Kids don't want to hear that. And it's just like, why? You know, when I was a kid, I grew up with Gargoyles and Gargoyles had, a, had an entire episode about gun safety, for God's sakes. Dude, that's so funny. I, I just watched the intro to Gargoyles the other day. I remember Gargoyles. Yeah, um, and, and they showed blood on, on that episode as well. And they and they and they made it clear like guns are not toys. <laughs> you know? Right, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know that that's funny. I, I, I forgot that, you know, uh afternoon cartoons used to tackle heavy heavier issues like that. Um you know, we just don't consume media like that anymore, you know, like where you know, you can guarantee that a demographic is going to be plopped down in front of the TV after 3 p.m. or whatever that looks like, or Saturday morning, you know, captivated by, the, you know, the handful of channels that are made available to them. And you can kind of funnel them, you know, public service announcements that way. I mean, my kids consume media in such a different way. Like, they don't even understand the idea of radio. Like, I think they're always like, like every once in a while, like they don't understand the linear idea of radio, that radio is always on whether you're listening to it or not. And like, 
you know, when you turn it on, you're just taking a glimpse at what's happening with or without you. And if it just so happens to be a song that you like, well, then you enjoy it. And then, you know, then it's done, you know, like they don't understand that. Like, they're like, do it again. And I'm like, no, babe, it's the radio. Like it, there, there is no do it again. Like, like, I mean, I guess we could search it out online and you could play it again, but you know, like there's no, the way that we used to be able to kind of send messages to kids about that, that just doesn't really happen like that anymore. They're not tuning in together. My kids are, my, my kids, like, like they hang out with their friends all in a room, all on their phones, not talking to each other. Like, you know, it's so weird. Like they, it's so a la carte the way that they consume stuff. It's like, they're not all together in a group, you know, consuming it. It's uh it's a brave new world, Abdullah. <laughs> well, where anyway, from? where is that? Like, why? Why is that in it? What? Where do you? Where are you from? Uh, Kuwait. Dude, that name Abdullah was. Um, so when I was little, I didn't have TV, but I had Tantan. Do you know who that is? Uh, Tantan. I don't remember, but I but the name from Tintin. Tintin. Ah, Tintin. Yes, Tintin. Yeah. Okay. So Tintin was a Belgian reporter with a little dog, and he would get in these adventures around the world. And he had a Scottish friend named Captain Haddock. And whenever he was in the Middle East, he would run into his little friend Abdullah, who was like this mischievous um, prince um, of this. uh, You know, um, I think it was like. I don't know. They were always fictitious, but it was like, you know, it was like, you know, kind of the UAE, I guess, basically is where he would go. And Abdullah would like pal around with him and like, you know, spend an entire adventure like with him. And I remember I went to Egypt um, when I was like 14 and uh, we had a guy named Khalid who was like the guy who like took us everywhere and, you know, um, basically was like our, our buddy and our guide for our entire trip there. And he like without prompting would call me Abdullah just because I was sort of like, I don't know, I guess I was mischievous. <laughs> and so when I, when I saw that that was your name, I was like, this is, this is perfect, man. This is full circle. No, it, it just, it, it's weird. Cause, <laughs> cause you know, when I talk to people they're they're either like, they notice the American accent or they're they're they, or they don't. And then whenever I get asked that question, it's like, no, I learned it from watching a lot of Western <laughs> television when i was a kid and i had your just your accent is flawless dude you could have told me you were in ohio <laughs> no but like a lot of people here like you know when we get westernized we we get like american accents and right. it's and there's this whole controversy about all oh, we're are we losing our way are we you know becoming more western and blah 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 it's, it's the old, same old shit that you've heard thousands of times before but i mean because that's the thing right i mean it's like everybody preaches that we need to blend and accept but then whenever we do that we get disowned by our own yeah it's i mean suddenly it's like oh no you don't don't talk in english talk in your native tongue right right don't assimilate so much with that you know like have pride for your own culture and it's like well what the fuck like two seconds ago everyone was saying like how we needed to all like embrace each other and you know, blur the lines of, you know, this, that, and the other. And, you know, it's, it's tough. No, I mean, cause you know what, you know, after the Gulf war, there was this, this huge, you know, pro America, America's so great, you know, movement here where they just imported every like American show that they could find. Really? Yeah. Here. And so we got like everything, we got like pretty much everything. And, 
and you know you grew up like watching that and it wasn't dubbed there wasn't there were no subtitles you know we just watched it raw and that's how i learned english like you know watching these cartoons raw and it wasn't like until years later did i realize oh shit that was actually a person getting paid to do voiceover right right yeah yeah i mean you know i i you know in a similar fashion like i didn't really put that together either like i i just i never thought like oh this is a guy you know i used to watch like ducktales and ninja turtles and uh you know um there was like this little uh this little uh, this afternoon pod of cartoons that was seems like it was the same for years and i never cons- it never dawned on me that these are just people in la like hustling and auditioning and you know showing up and you know, maybe struggling with their careers. Like I, I, I didn't know what I thought it was, but uh, yeah, it's interesting. You know, I, I lived in Portugal for a couple of years when I was a kid. My, my father uh, is Portuguese from Hawaii. And um, I remember I got thrown into Portuguese schools um, when I was 12 um, and I didn't speak a lick of it. And I learned it rather quickly. It's, it's gone away now, but um, and kind of become Spanish, but, but I remember the kids who were into heavy metal, like kids who were into Metallica and and all, and just the people that consumed American music had lawless American accents. I mean, like not only did they speak English well, like you could drop them in the center of America and no one would know the difference. Like, you know, like they just were able to, because of their, you know, the love of this, this specific part of the culture, which in this case was heavy metal music, they absolutely like just became that, you know, they would watch documentaries, they would watch interviews and it just, it was like their accents were flawless. It was without, without taking many English classes at all, if any, it was crazy. No, I mean, and then, and, you know, as I got older, I realized, oh man, most of those voice actors I, you know, grew up watching were like mimicking people. And I had no idea what that, what they were mimicking because, you know, I, you know, you know, as a, as a foreigner, you know, all the pop culture references, all the American pop culture references would fly over my head, but like right. rewatching it now, it's like, Oh man, they were doing like a Don DeLuise impression or something like that. Right. Like if you watched Animaniacs, right. Like, like it was, um, that, that is so heavily adult in some ways because they're always like, they're making like Johnny Carson references and, you know, uh, I mean stuff that even, I'm even from America. Right. And like, I didn't get half the stuff Animaniacs were talking about. I still thought it was funny and I still thought it was great, but like, yeah, I mean, there's uh, there's a lot of stuff kind of uh, like little Easter eggs in there. No, I mean, it's, it's great. And, and um, you know, that's the thing that, you know, we kind of don't, um, we kind of don't really appreciate about media you know, in general is like, it can teach people that who don't speak English or a foreign language, another language. I mean, it's a slow process, but you know, it, it happens. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it kind of teaches them, you know, I mean, I guess, look, if you wanted to like, I I don't, did you really think that would go both ways though? Do, Do you, I mean, I feel like, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. I feel like American English is, is easy in a way only because like, I imagine like if if the same thing happened, except it was reversed. I think my Arabic would still be terrible. Oh, it would just sound like collector, but like <laughs> not not as raspy, I would imagine. Right, yeah. I mean, like, I don't think you could plot me down anywhere in Kuwait and they'd be like, oh, wow, I had no idea. You know, everyone would be like, uh, American, 
<laughs> you know, like immediately. No, there was like this. I mean, there's there's an interesting interesting story. Like there was, um, you know, I went to like because my laptop had like died out, and and I, I needed to get it fixed, and and you know, the guy I went to like spoke flawless Arabic. And I had assumed he was like Kuwaiti because he had like the the Kuwaiti dialect down to a T, right. and then I, and then I realized, oh man, he's Indian, but like he was raised here and 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 he knew like the dialect, he knew how to how to you know pronounce the the words right, and and he didn't have a, a hint of of a Indian accent to his um to his voice, and I'm like, oh, shit, man, you're Indian, wow. Yeah, that's incredible, isn't it? Um. Like, you know, you know what it's like, um, like I was in London for the holidays last my, my, my mother's from the UK and we went and saw some family and my kids were blown away because like when, you know, they're, they're just victims of what they're given. Right. And so when my kids thought of people with British accents, you know, they thought of either their dad taking the piss and being a weirdo or these sort of white Anglo-Saxon sort of aristocratic people like, hey, don't bother, darling. No, 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 no. Oh, absolutely. I mean, like everything that they knew was from Harry Potter, basically, right? So when they got to London and they saw people from India, China, Korea, like, like Africa, like all speaking with like flawless, beautiful, you know, uh, proper English accents, like it was like blowing their little minds apart. Because like they just... They just never associated with that accent with anything but, you know, like the Harry Potter kids, you know. Um, and I, I remember like it just started, it started up like an interesting conversation about accent and dialect and, you know, it's all like situational. You know, it's not, again, not how you look, but like, you know, what you've absorbed. No, I mean, I would always joke like, you know, uh, J.B. Blanc can pretty much play any 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 ethnicity and he wouldn't get in trouble for it because he's just that good at, at dialects. Yeah, man, J.B. is the man, dude. Uh, you know, he's a really good director, too. Did you know that? Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, he's, a, he's uh, you know, he's like, he directed Lego Dimensions and he, he had to direct Gary Oldman for that. And he's like, it, it was challenging, but... I did it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, how do you muddle through that? Like, I did. What did I do with him? I did a. I did Fortnite with him. I play a character named Anthony in Fortnite, and um, I also did. What about what else? I, I do some Blizzard stuff with him. He works for Blizzard sometimes, and it's one of those things as a voice actor that happens every once in a while where you kind of get the feeling that the person not on mic is as good, if not better than you are. <laughs> and you're like, what the fuck am I doing here? Like there, there's this thing uh, that I, I don't know if you, you probably don't know about this, but um, so <clears throat> when you do promo or you do commercials, a lot of time in or a lot of times in order to get sort of the picture cut together, they'll have someone temp the voiceover before you do it. Uh, just so they have it for timing. Um, cause they, they can't just have it blank. Right. So when you watch uh, a spot for time to see where you come in and, and where you don't and kind of like, you know, um, they have this temp voice in there and oftentimes they use another voice actor, not you, but uh, you know, someone else. And it usually sounds pretty good. And it's always like, what am I doing here? Like you, you got it. It sounds great. You know, like you would never say that because, you know, you just see yourself right into a 
you know, can of worms and out of a job that way. But I'm always like blown away when that, like, because uh, JB is such a talented dude. Um, and his, you know, accents and dialogues are, are, are killer, you know, for, from him. Yeah, no, he's my favorite. He's my favorite Kano, hands down. Yeah, did he, did he, um, cause I did, so yeah, so we did MK11 together, but did he do the animated thing too? Uh, no, that was Robert Atkin Downs. Ah, oh, Robin. Robin Atkin Downs. Yeah, uh, I love that guy. That guy is also a, a powerhouse. Um, so Robin did the, the animated version. Got it. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, speaking of MK11, you're like the eighth voice actor I've gotten from that game <laughs> on here. Oh, really? Oh, we're whores, man. We'll do whatever, us SMK11 folks. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm only speaking for myself. No, I'm, I mean, like, you know, just like, may I just get right into it. I think, you know, you had like a really challenging role in that your character did not exist before this game. So I'm kind of wondering, was it like, you know, was the pressure really that high on you, like going in into this big franchise and, and you're like, ah, oh, I got to bring a character that has never existed before into this franchise and make it believable? You know, um, I would say that normally, yes. I, and I am certainly the kind of person who would let something like that kind of get in their head a little bit. Um, but because of all the secrecy that goes on in games, um, uh, you know, you really don't know what you're working on until you're already doing it. Um, and so, like, you know, when I auditioned, I had a bunch of auditions for that game. It was just called some random thing. Like, I, I don't remember what it was called. Like, I think at the time it was done at Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers uses um, band names. Uh, and so I think it was called, like, Codename Van Halen or something like that. And, uh, you know, and all you get is, like, this, the project is called Van Halen, and uh, here's a picture of some characters. And the, the character for the collector was this kind of creepy insect face. You know, it, it doesn't look completely like what he looks like now. Like, the face was very different, but he was, like, this hooded creature carrying a chained... Um, you know, lantern, kind of like the kind of thing that like a Catholic priest would swing frankincense in, in a, in a church. And the artwork was so good. And honestly, the voice that you hear as the collector was pretty much what I auditioned with. Like, it was just what came to mind when I saw, what it conjured up when I saw this, this, this creature. And it wasn't until like, I'm like done multiple callbacks and, you know, they've, fiddle fucked around and done everything they do in casting and, and they finally you know I won the role which is pretty for, you know I was very fortunate um, you know by the time then when you finally go in to, to do the first session and meet the director and stuff only then do they say okay do you know what you're working on and you're like no and they're like okay it's the new Mortal Kombat game and you're like oh shit and thank god they do it that way because you know like I got a Sega Genesis when I was a kid and Mortal Kombat one was like one of the first games that like changed my thinking of what video games could be. Cause it had like eight bit voices in it. it. You know, up to that, I'd played like the NES. It was like, you know, you know, this felt like it had like humans in it, you know? And, um, you know, they were really good at, uh, kind of, um, you know, just allowing allowing us as actors to, to bring everything that we thought we could to this character based on the character rather than based on the franchise or the enormity of the thing. 
And uh, I think that that's a really valuable thing because I think I think people can get it get it in, get in their head a little bit about how big something is rather than just serving the thing, you know, serving the character. Like, you know, they they get too caught up in what the whole world is or what it might be, you know. Um, and so I think I was a little bit fortunate that I got to start a new character. I mean, it, I, I was nervous that it would suck. And I was nervous that, you know, this really, really ravenous fan base that Mortal Kombat had built over the years wouldn't accept. You know, I knew that they were classically hard on new characters. and I mean, shit, they were hard on, like, existing characters, you know, like like if, if someone else took over the role. So I was like, oh, God. Um, and I try to stay out of the... The, the world of comments and hating and stuff. Um, not because I, I'd love to know what people think, but I, I, I don't allow myself to go down those wormholes just because like, I, I just want to be able to be good at what the project wants for me rather than trying to serve the, 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 the many different people's opinions, you know? Um, and honestly, I think in a lot of ways it would have been harder to, to carry the baton of someone who had already done a character, you know, and for whatever reason they decided to recast it. I think that's harder because people already have this lock on what they think the character is. And the odds of you improving on what they like about it are, 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 are it, that, that's a tough task, you know, but introducing someone to something new is, you know, arguably a little easier. So, um, you know, I don't know, maybe you are enough in the fandom world to know how the collector has been received. Um, uh, but I mean, it was a challenge, but, um, you know, the way that it was presented allowed me to kind of not be overwhelmed by how big the thing was, I think, you know? And did they, did they show you like, you know, what he would look like in the final game or did you have to wait for that? No, man, I did not see what he would look like in the final game like almost until right before it, it came out. And, and, and I was working on that game for well over a year before it, its release was. Um, and I kept bought Damien, um, sorry, uh, Dominic, um, this guy, the director, this great guy. He, uh, you know, he, he would always send me little teases and stuff like anything he could get his hands on art wise, he would send me, but you know, and he would send me like, you know, these exchanges between people um, on fan pages about like, you know, because things would get leaked. And then like the word, the name KOL was was leaked and some beta testing thing. And so everybody was going nuts about like who that could be, or maybe it was a code name for someone else that already existed. And so I, I kind of got to track a little bit like what people were thinking things might be beforehand. But honestly, I did not see him um, until like, a couple days before it got released and then you were so, and what was your reaction to seeing the finished product uh you know um i mean i knew some of the things i mean based on some of the stuff that i did like i knew that he was going to be this hooded dude i i knew that he was sort of this merchant of venice type character you know kind of this muscle i knew that he was like this pound of flesh kind of taker you know like I knew that he had extra arms because I knew because I had made reference to stuff about how he would go into this bag that he carried to grab things. So it wasn't I wasn't completely like in the dark about it. Um, but uh, I thought it was pretty on target for what I thought the guy would be. I thought he was going to be kind of like older and more decrepit and kind of bent over 
and 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 weird, which is kind of how the first artwork was. I was surprised that he was sort of um, I don't know. He looks like a bit of a fit chap, doesn't he? I mean, he looks like he uh, uh, he's 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 like a lean guy, you know. Um, I thought I thought he was rather cool. I mean, shit, dude. I mean, like I'm like I'm like a kid that was like super into cartoons and and like heavy metal magazines and and like fantasy stuff. So the fact that you get to be like a part of anything that's cool like that is like it, that that's such an overwhelmingly cool experience that like you know my 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 hard nosed like fandom opinion about stuff was probably you know compromised like had I been just a diehard Mortal Kombat fan and I'd seen this character I'd been like oh what another another forearm dude just what this franchise needed <laughs> you know um, but to me he was gorgeous he was perfect. I mean, how was he received? What did you think? Um, oh boy, (laughs) he's like, I mean, I I mean, they've introduced like a lot of villains over, over the, um, over the franchise's, uh, uh, span. And he's a, he's a really interesting case in that, you know, he's like, oh no, this race has existed before, but we're not mentioning them until now. And he's been loyal to Shao Kahn this entire time, although Shao Kahn has never mentioned him before (laughs) up until now. And I'm like, okay, gotta suspend my disbelief on this one. (laughs) So right, but then they then they just roll all over that by like you know bringing like RoboCop and the Joker in, and then you're just like, well, fuck it, I guess it's just a free for all. Yeah. No, I mean he's a he's a fun character to you know I'm pretty sure he was a fun character to play as, but like outside of I mean, he's just like henchman number six or something when you really look at it. But you know, I like I like the fact that even though most of the characters are just henchmen, they're fun. You know, I mean, I've had Sarah Cravens on, and she had fun playing Frost. I mean, she's she's hilarious and great. I've had Sean Chiplock on, who plays Noob, Noob Cybot, and he loved doing that role. I mean, they're just jobbers, man. They're just jobbers at the end of the day when you think about it. But they're fun. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, a character, you know, those, those, like, some of those characters, like, um, you know, like, um, the cla- either the classic characters or, uh, you know, the ones that have a lot of, uh, you know, have a lot of history with that or, or a lot of the more normalized vocal characters. I mean, ultimately that's, that, that's probably harder, you know, because it really just relies on like who you are physically, what does your instrument do? You know, like <clears throat> I you know, got the luxury of being able to, you know, really hide behind this accent and this gritty thing that I was doing. So like, you know, those are kind of like the more delicious characters for me to play. You know, it's, it's so much more to get into, you know, like, I feel like when you, when you play a creaturey character, um, you know, it, you just have so many more ways you can go, you know? I mean, when you're like, just like a straight, like if you're like Jax or something, you know I mean? There's only so many colors like that, like uh, that kind of character. I mean, it's, it's challenging. It's challenging to bring life to a, a human, you know, in these very, you know, um, you, you, you know, uh, you know, creaturey, you know, almost alien sort of, uh, you know, worldscapes that Mortal Kombat sort of, you know, inhabits. Um, so yeah, I mean it was a blast. It was, I mean it, it was it was great to get into him. Um, you know, regardless of how he, you know, <laughs> kind of you know got piggybacked into the story, kind of you know like at the eleventh hour, so to speak. 
I mean, but he did show up like he was the first guy to job in, in the DLC. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. It's just like, yeah, I'm I'm totally going to beat these three guys. Yep. You're, you totally are, Collector. You totally are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, but but I mean it's a it's a fun franchise. I mean to to be a part of, and the fact that they're still supporting it a year later is just great. Because you know most because yeah. because you know let's face it, like most people's attention span these days are, is just like really short. So like a game comes out and it's like really hyped up, and then people forget about forget about it in a month nowadays. But you know the fact that they're still supporting it and still putting out content and is great. It, it's really great. I love it. Yeah, I mean, it's cool that they stand behind it, you know, and you're right. I mean, like, there is, like, you know, people are, are, are not starved for new content, you know, and to be able to keep uh, to keep people um, attention for any amount of time is, is certainly something. And, you know, I mean, it kind of speaks to the Hail Marys that they have to throw sometimes, you know, I mean, in order to keep it fresh or keep it interesting, you know. I mean, I, I think, you know, it's, it, it's not like it's um, – you know, uh, Downton Abbey or something, you know, where it's just like, well, that would just never happen in Downton Abbey. It's like, you know, you can, you can throw everything in the kitchen sink at it. And, and we're all kind of in on the ridiculousness of it, you know, like, no, you know, the no, I mean, cause... up, Ronda Rousey shows up, you know, you're like, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Makes sense. No, I mean, cause I mean, every time I talk to someone from Mortal Kombat, I say, you know, the best thing about it is like, what I love about it the most is the fact that it's fucking stupid and I don't want it to change. I want the stupidness to, to keep, to keep uh, being around because that's the only way to enjoy it. Cause like I talked about this before. It's like, so there's this like Chinese dude who comes up with a tournament and the fate of everything hangs in the balance. And you have Raiden who's an elder God who can stop it at any time, but he just chooses not to because of the rules, the rules. <laughs> Like, come on. Uh, you know, you uh, you clearly already have a, a handle on that story. Like, I have tried to like follow that the, the the story and the time the time space continuum of what's going on there, and I have to say, I do get a little lost. I just have to I have to stay in my little collector lane in order to uh, serve the project. <laughs> no, but even like as as like you know, back in the day, like when you're playing it, you know, playing the first Mortal Kombat, you're like. So wait a minute. There's these these entire warriors getting together, and there's this grand prize, and there's Shang Tsung who's like, "I'll give you, you know, the prize of being my, the champion or whatever." And it's just like, what is this shit? And why do I love it so much? <laughs> yeah, no, totally. Um, I I guess that's yeah, that's right. Okay, so that was it again. Do you remember the first movie? Oh, I love the first movie so much. <laughs> yeah, that was great, right? Take that, sorcerer. Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, uh, your, your man there, I mean, that guy's been riding along with the franchise for the whole way, hasn't it? The, um, you see that Chinese actor? Um, he's actually Japanese, uh, a Japanese man who has lived in Hawaii most of his life, so that's pretty a pretty cool story on him. Oh, that's cool. Well, way to blow it. <laughs> In this time of racial tensions. You know. We got to fucking edit that out. <laughs> I I just love destroying kayfabe on this show. <laughs> <laughs> 
what, what, what do you mean so and so was played by a person? That's insane. Why didn't they get a creature? <laughs> I know, like, where, where, where would we find one? No, I mean, because cause that's the thing about voiceover I love is, like, nobody ever gets paid to play themselves. Like, you can be any 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 um, any ethnicity you want, you know, within reason. And, and it's great because, you know, you're not limited by how you look. Yeah, no, that's true. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of latitude in that. I mean, I was I did a, an interview the other day for this uh I'm doing this big uh, Yakuza thing that's coming out. I play a, a main character in that. And um, I, uh, you know, it was one of those situations where how do we, um, you know, do we need to be sensitive to the fact that these are Japanese characters and we're not Japanese actors? And, you know, because um, they were all, all the time, like I was really trying to, you know, stick to proper Japanese pronunciation of stuff. Like I would do research to say it right. And they'd always say, no, 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 no. No, we want to say it the American way. Like, instead of saying, like, Kasuga, like, you just say, just say Kasuga. And I'd be like, oh, God, but that hurts the, the part of me that wants to make the shape of the words and the way that the people who speak the language make the words. You know, but, it like, that was, like, their way of, um, you know, tipping their hat to being like, we are not the Japanese version, you know? Um, but, yeah, dude, I mean, you can be any little thing, you know? I mean, like, I'm, you know, I'm an elf in the Christmas carols, a little Nordic elf. I mean, sorry, in the Christmas Chronicles, and then I'm the, you know, I'm the hobo in the It franchise, you know, like, I, you know, I would not, that would not be something I could sell to people if I were an on-camera actor, you know? Yeah, you know, it's one, like, we need, to, we, we need, yeah, yeah, we need someone to play this creature, and we need it to be, like, physical, and and they're not going to go for you. Like, they're just not. Right, they're gonna, what do you mean, the little tubby dude who, who was with Kurt Russell in that Christmas movie. Uh, no, we're good. <laughs> like, no, he can do it. Ah, we're good. <laughs> but, uh, you know, but voice acting, it's nobody knows what the fuck you look like. So it's, uh, you know, get in there. Yeah. I mean, it's, and it's great. Cause you get like, you, you get to hear like so many people who are, who aren't British, uh, British play British characters and, and British people playing American characters, which is hilarious. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, I think, and I think if, uh, you know, most people that are kind of at that level where they're working pretty regularly, I mean, you know, there's, everybody has done a ton of their own research and, and everybody's, you know, it's not a job. I mean, everybody did a version of this ever since they were little. I mean, I used to watch Monty Python and just, just like copy their voices to a T and then record myself on my little boom box and play it back. Like, I didn't know what I was going to do with that. Like, I didn't know that that was going to become a job. I thought that was some weird thing that I did because I was I grew up in rural New Mexico and, and I was bored out of my mind and I didn't have television and that's what I did you know like um I mean who could have known that there was something you could do with that but like I think all voice actors have that in common they have the, you know this parroting thing that they did at a really young age this just just this ravenous uh hunger for the sounds that other people have made before them and then like these like almost overactive imaginations to go with it and then uh you know, you kind of get these people who, uh, you know, get to do what sounds like a very silly and cool thing for a living, but take it really seriously. Oh, yeah. I mean, because, you know, I, everyone I've talked to, like, you know, we we have fun on this show, but, you know, once they go into that booth, it's serious. Like, there is no fucking around. Yeah, you know, uh, do you know Maurice LaMarche? Oh, man, the legend. 
Legend. Yeah, so Maurice always tells me this thing. He always goes, always give them a dime for their nickel. And I, ne- like, he said that to me years ago, and I never forgot that. Like, I, I, I have his voice in my head right before I walk into every job. Always give them a dime for their nickel. Like, I, I never forgot that. Like, and I don't think I ever will. Like, it's like such, it, just in everything in life, you know, like, just show, you know, show up, be on time, be prepared, do your homework, be respectful. It's not about you. Just serve the project, you know, like, uh, and I think and everybody who works a lot, they do those things without having to discuss it with others or it be the plan. You know, I think those are like the, kind of the cornerstones of any good worker, you know, wh- whatever the job may be. Well, yeah, I mean, because at the end of the day, you are just like a part of, you know, just a small cog in the giant in a bigger in a bigger machine. You're there don't... to you're there to bring other people's vision to life. So don't fuck this up. <laughs> Yeah, and you know, I mean, arguably, we're a small part of it. Like, you know, I mean, I know it's it's major because it's on display. But, you know, it's funny when you, you know, if you go to a premiere or something or a rap party, you know, and, and you see these people who worked for years before you even got cast on animating and drawing and, and, and just like all the incredible creativity that went into getting it to the point where they could even like consider using you. And then you kind of come in and, you know, like you know, squirt your little mess on it and like, you know, then, you know, laugh, you know, out the back door. And, um, you know, it is really this massive team effort from the people who imagined it to begin with. And, you know, I, I feel like you're just, um, I don't know, icing on the cake is like such a stupid thing to say, but like, you know, you're, you're, you're some kind of little, little pixie dust at the end of like the, you know, the whole magical thing that other people made, you know? Yeah, and 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 at the end of the day, you know, some people are gonna like what you did, and some people aren't. But it, but that's fine. You're not there to be liked. You're there to get get shit done. That's true. Why has somebody said they don't like me? <laughs> <laughs> Who said it? Well, <laughs> was it Fred Tatasor? Oh come on! I refuse to believe Fred. They would talk shit about anybody. He's a sweetheart. Fred. Fred would. Never. Fred is the nicest soul on this planet. I, I love that man. No, I mean, because here's the thing. When, like, when I met him like back you know, at a local con here uh, back in 2018, I, I, I just flat out said to, to, to people, like, I, I talk shit about a lot of people, but Fred is like the only guy I will not talk shit about ever. Ever. Because he's like, he's so the real deal. You know, he's like that guy who is like the monolith in the room, but you would never know it, you know? Like, he's just, like, such a talented beast of a performer who is just the quietest, softest-spoken, loving, touchy-feely dude, you know? Um, he's so welcoming to people who are new. He, he brings comfort and ease to those who are nervous. You know, he, he just knows exactly how to be with his fellow humans, you know, he's, he's just a great guy. Yeah. I mean, cause you know, I mean, some people are just like, eh, you know, you kind of tell like they're putting on an act, but you know, Fred's the real deal. Fred is the real deal. Like, I mean, you know, I only talked to him for like a short bit, but you know, every time I was at his table, he was nice, very, very friendly, you know, like totally, totally answered like any question I had, 
even though it was no matter how dumb it was he's like yeah no no i, I totally agree with you uh, no no i think that's that's great you know like having you know an actual conversation instead of just what's your name what do you want what, what, what do you want me to sign get out of here you know right yeah <laughs> Yeah, you know, uh, I, I feel like really successful and, and, and creative um, kind of geniuses in this world are a lot of people are like that. I, I remember when I first moved to L.A., I, I got to go to a screening of this movie called Frailty, which was directed by Bill Paxton. And it was with uh, uh, Matthew McConaughey, and it was uh, about this uh, this killer. And I had – it was like my first – you know, month in Hollywood, and I, it was at the Wadsworth Theater in Westwood, and I went there, and Bill Paxton was there, and he did a Q&A afterwards, and I, like, I, I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life, I just knew I wanted to be part of something in entertainment, and I had so many questions for him, and this dude stayed, like, as, as all the audience slowly dwindled and people went home, eventually it was just me and him and this girl, and this dude sat on the stage and just chatted away. He just loved the process so much, um, like of making the movie, of, of answering questions about the movie, of talking to young people about who are excited about, you know, getting to do what he gets to do, you know. Um, and I just remember being so enamored by this human being, like in so many ways. Like not only was he this famous guy that I had seen before, but he was such a human guy. And when we God, when he passed away, just all of a sudden the other year, I mean that was that was a real loss, man. I mean, those guys are the real deal, you know. They're these kind of salt of the earth creative types in Hollywood. Fred's one of them. Bill Paxton was one of them. I think John Ritter was one of them. You know, like where you're just uh, the, the, it's it's just the absence of ego and and like a natural curiosity and like childlike, um, you know, sort of demeanor when it comes to how excited they get about stuff, you know. And it just like it's like infectious. Yeah, I mean, because that's what I love about I love about you know you can tell who's real and who's who's being fake, just by talking to them. If they give you, it's not about just like giving you the time of day. It's like if I if I come out of any any podcast feeling like I had a great conversation, then it's then I know that that person's uh is fun to be around. But if I you know uh, end end the show and and feel like ah eh, you know. That that wasn't so great. Then I know that person was kind of eh, you know, to be around. Do you ever just dump it? Do you ever just dump the interview? Or you ever just like, blah? <laughs> well, there was, there don't was. Don't say who. I don't know who. <laughs> Harry Walden. I'm kidding. Uh no, there was one interview that was really terrible. That I just like technical stuff happened, and and we had to redo it over and over again, and. And uh, yeah, I, I just said, fuck it. I'm not going to put this up. <laughs> yeah. You know what, man? Technical stuff really mars an experience, though. You know, I, I, I remember. Uh, so when I was an ADR mixer, I, I got thrown in the hot seat with uh, John Avnet, who was a big director. He, he directed Fried Green Tomatoes. He directed a couple movies in the, in the early 2000s. And I, I had never been in the first chair as a mixer before. They just threw me in and Bonnie Hunt was the first woman. I don't know if you know who she is. She's a, an actress. She's been around forever. Um, uh, and uh, she was just on a schedule, man, you know, and she expected to just come in and do her ADR lines and get out, at, as you should. Except, you know, nobody told her they're putting this kid in the seat and, like, he's, you know, he's shadowed mixers for a long time, but this is his first, 
rodeo. And I just like was feeling the fire, man. And she wanted to move quickly. And she was asking for things I didn't know how to give her. And like, you know, you only need to show vulnerability at first a little bit. And then, you know, the whole room loses faith in you, you know, like when it comes to technical problems, like all of a sudden people are like, Oh shit, we're not going to make the day. This guy's probably not recording it. Right. He can't, he doesn't know like how to preview it fast enough. Like, I just remember like, Oh my God, like that, just how quickly things got off the rails, uh, for me, um, uh, because of technical things, you know, technical things. Oh God, they're poison. They are poison for creative experiences, man. That sucks. Oh man, I, I can't tell you how, how almost, how almost it was almost heartbreaking for me personally. Like when I got like Nika Futterman on here, and we had so many technical difficulties. We had to re-record the intro three times before we got it to, to the finished episode, and that was just heartbreaking because she was someone I really wanted to get on. I almost gave up, but I. But somehow I did, and then we finally, you know, get it on, and and you know I'm just like trying so hard not to fanboy because I just love her so much, yeah. and and it's just, oh man, it was just heartbreaking, heartbreaking to 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 have like to have to redo that intro over and over again, and to get it right, and God uh, bless her for 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 putting up with it. God bless her. You know, anybody who's who's been in that chair will have a, an endless supply of empathy for something like that because, like, we all know that that feeling of, of like, I have rehearsed this. I know how this works. What is happening? Like, why is this not working the way that it's worked all these times before? And then, like, right now when it counts, it's fucking me. You know, like, that. that is, like, that's brutal. <laughs> I feel for you, man. Yeah, no, because especially cool. no, no, especially like when when you're like you get someone on who you're a big fan of, and you're like, I, I can't contain it. I got a fanboy. I gotta, I gotta like you know just go all out, and and then you know you just realize you have technical problems, and I'm like, oh no, please no, please no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Like it's uh, well. You know, I would, I, I'm happy to say that this was not marred by a single technical hiccup. Oh, except me screwing around with the 96K mic right in the beginning, but <laughs> you guys didn't hear that. <laughs> oh, well, you know, oh, God, the Trevor Duvall episode, that was even worse. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay, so it took us forever to get a meeting date, first of all, and then we, when we, when we finally did, we record the intro, and then midway through, he stops. He gets a phone call. He says, Abdullah, I, I need you to, 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 to stay with me here. I got to take care of something real quick. I'm like, okay. And then I end up waiting 12 or 15 minutes for him to come back to, to, do, the, to do the interview. And we had to re-record it all over again. <laughs> you, you know, you got to put together a, you know, an outtake. You have an outtake. Oh. You, you, Oh man! All those disastrous interview outtakes. <laughs> Car crashes. Car crashes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um. Well, we're we're almost getting to to that point where we have to stop, unfortunately, because I know you're a pretty busy man with, with all that's going on right now. So, um, 
you want to uh, give us like uh, any any update on any current projects you're working on and where people can find you on social media? Uh, yeah, man. Um, so uh, I, I am terrible at social media. Uh, Drew Morgado VO. You can check me out on Instagram. I, I'm, I'm, I'm terrible. You know what? Come follow me. Give me a reason to be good at this. Okay. Because I'm a funny guy. I got funny ideas. I just don't do much. All right. Maybe if I knew I had an audience of you amazing people out there just salivating for what I'm going to say next, you know, maybe that would really make me rise to it. But, um, so, uh, yeah, man. Uh, so I got stuff coming out for Thundercats. I got stuff coming out for, uh, Cleopatra, uh, in space. I got uh, the Christmas Chronicles 2 coming out this, um, coming out, uh, this holiday. Um, lots of cool stuff. Um, what else? Uh, working on the Cuphead show, uh, which will be coming out here soon. Uh, new, new animated series. Um, tons of games. Um, new Yakuza game. Um, a new project for Blizzard that's very dark. You guys can guess what that might be. Um, all kinds of really cool stuff. Um, that's about all I think I can say. Uh, oh, I'm, uh, I'm the wonderful reporter, old-timey reporter in uh, the Mafia 2 Definitive Edition that just dropped last week. Pick that up. Uh, Harold Parker, I play in that. And, um, yeah, I guess that's uh, that's about it of the self, uh, self-wank self there. Oh, man. Now I know why that audio sounded really like it was recorded uh, earlier this, this year because I'm like, wait a minute. This wasn't in the original game. Did they record this in, 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 in recently? Because it sure yeah, sounds they like did. they did. They sure did. Yeah, they actually did a lot of, uh, you know, I've kind of looked at some of the, the, the people kind of breakdowns on that, and it seems like, you know, people who are really hip to kind of what the what the previous uh, look and feel was, uh, they did a lot for the definitive edition. I think they just kind of feathered it in in like a, a not disruptive way. Um, but yeah, we did a lot for that. It was fun. Yeah, that that was. Uh, I'm currently playing that, so I'm kind of. I'm just noticing stuff I didn't notice the first time around. I'm like, wait a minute, this is a, this, you weren't here before. What's going on? Did they pull. Uh, you're gonna find a, a shotgunner also uh, with the. Just a real dead spot on Chicago accent there. You hear that guy? You're going to know who it is. <laughs> oh, man. And um, are you going to be doing any more Mortal Kombat stuff, or is that it? You know, I just did some recently. Um, uh, I post, um, like, it was a little bit after the, um, before the cutoff for the last DLC. Uh, you know, you, you never know. I mean, I haven't been told anything specifically, um, but, you know, hopefully I will get, um, you know, uh, these experiences begat more experiences like this. And when you work with people for a long enough time, they hopefully like you enough to, you know, bring you back when and if they need it. So, um, you know, nothing, nothing official, but, um, you know, it's always a possibility. All right. Thanks, man. Thanks so much for taking the time out to do this, especially with all that's going on in the world right now. Oh, man, Abdullah, what a pleasure, man. Uh, one of the best ones I've done. Uh, just fun, and uh, I hope to see you out there in the world in, in person sometime. Uh, and if you want to come back on, you're, you know, you're always free to do so. <laughs> oh, I love it, dude. Let's, uh, let's just keep in touch. Next time something cool is happening, let's, uh, let's check back in. All right. See you then. Bye-bye. Love it, bro. All right, man. Have a good one.